Welcome to the If You Lead Them podcast, the show that is dedicated to helping you grow as a leader in both business and your personal life. Here is your host, Katie Barnett. Please give a warm welcome to the one and only Chris Tufer. Chris brings with him a wealth of knowledge and experience, expertise in the world of sales, leadership, and education. We're about to uncover the invaluable insights he's gained through this remarkable journey that I know it's nowhere near the end, I would say, correct? That's correct, Katie. All right. Today, I'm, re- I'm really excited because we're really going to be talking kind of like higher level leadership. And I know that you've been deep in this, running some trainings recently, and we discussed really touching on trust, um, behavioral styles, and EIQ, which I'm not sure a lot of people are super familiar with. So I'm excited for you to really talk and speak to that and um, having critical conversations. So I just would love if you could start by, you know, letting us know what you've been up to. I know you have, uh, I mean, on top of this, you guys, I have been looking at, I was like, like cyber stalking you a little bit just now, which I've done already, but just blown away. Um, Author of sales strategies, uh, top college for sales strategies, it sounds like. Kurt, you're the like in the five percent of loved professors at your college. Is there any better thing than that? Oh, you know, I think it's because my philosophy on grading sales classes is if you show up and just fog a mirror, you can probably get an A because a lot of it is all subjective to answering tests, questions and things like that. But I have a lot of energy and enthusiasm that I bring to the table. And I think the students appreciate that. And most of the time, it's a summer class. So if you're held hostage in my class for four consecutive Saturdays from 9 a.m. till 4 p.m., um, yeah, I've got to be good at what I do, and you've got to be engaging at what you do. So, yeah, it's I'm, I like that. That's a five percent of the top is is real good. I like it. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's true. You've got to hold their attention and keep them from doing all the fun things in the summertime. You must be great. I love it. Okay, so tell me what what is the training program that you kind of been running? It sounds like it's leadership based, and so I'm just really excited to hear about that. You bet. I'll take it from the top and, and get it down to ground zero. So I work at a company called DXP. We're an inter uh, we're an industrial distributor, about 1.5 billion dollar, 2,800 employees, publicly traded company. Two years ago, one of our employees came up with an idea of creating his own version of a leadership academy. Having a two-hour Zoom session once a month for 12 months. And on the 12th month, each of the students, cadets, whatever you want to call them, would present a 10-minute TED Talk as to what they've learned in the class and how they're applying that in their leadership. Our philosophy was to grow our own leaders. And he did it within his small division department. So the first class he did had eight people in it. The second class had 12 people in it. I was a facilitator and a student. And I went through the whole class and graduated that. And then I took it to our uh, leadership. And I said, you know what? I think we need to expand that. So currently, we have 66 people going through the Leadership Academy. And it's we started two flights in August. And we just started a flight yesterday, all the spillover. 
all the people who couldn't make it to the first two sessions. So it's cutting edge in the sense that it's co-developed by us inside DXP and we're using an outside educator with her PhD and she's continued to tighten up some of the content and the students go in and they participate in a two hour Zoom session once a month. And in that Zoom session, we talk about different principles of leadership and we, we give them an assessment, a DISC assessment, followed by the emotional intelligence quotient assessment. And then throughout the course, they have a field journal that they can take notes in. They have some chat groups that they can talk to. And then each time we get back, we start talking more about what did you learn and apply in the last 30 days. And at the end of this, all 66 students will go through the process of their own 10-minute TED Talk. And while it's graduation, they're not really inviting their family and friends, all senior management will be coming to these Zoom calls to watch them um, articulate what they learned in their 12 months in the Leadership Academy. I love everything about this. So this is all within DXP. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think it's beautiful to focus so much. I mean, that's really just the entire purpose of this podcast truly is how, you know, if we can just build the leadership and for a company to pour that kind of energy and then get to learn, I have a feeling from those who take part in it, I think it's just absolutely amazing. So the DISC assessment, I love it. I'm a fan. Um, I have taken it. Can you tell me what role that plays and where you think uh, something like that is important for leaders to really like take part in? Absolutely. Um, Katie, it's critical that we, we launch understanding the principles of leadership and management. And then in the second module or the second month, we debrief their assessment, their DISC assessment and how, it, how the insight of the DISC assessment allows you to understand who you are as a person. And in the disc, you've got D, I, S, and C. You've got different colors, red, yellow, green, and blue. You can understand who you are and how you, how you show up, if you will, as a manager and a leader and how other people show up. So a large part of the debrief is looking at your opposite. If you're an extrovert and you're dealing with introverts, if you're a high picture person dealing with a detail oriented person, you're going to disconnect if you're a leader or a manager trying to manage people the same. So the wisdom and the insight of understanding who you are as it relates to your DISC assessment, your behaviors, there's 12 different behaviors that we look at, and then how we adapt. And the key to understanding is the willingness to say, you know what, I need to adapt my style when I am casting my vision, setting my goals, building consensus, creating collaboration, and all of these principles are directly tied to both leadership and management. So by laying the groundwork in the early module two, that gives us a chance to constantly refer back to it when we talk about conflict, trust, crucial conversations, uh, to what you tolerate, what you don't tolerate, and why these disc, these disc styles allow people to tolerate or not tolerate things because someone's seeking reward and recognition, someone's seeking results someone seeking consensus, someone seeking um, all the analytical side of it. And so how you, how you manage on a day-to-day, -day, these, these little uh, wisdom drops, if you will, help to people get more tuned up in their leadership. I completely agree. And I, I just love the focus of 
really learning about yourself. And then also as you get into the DISC assessment, it sounds like you guys do a pretty good deep dive there because there's so much you can learn from not just, there's so much you can learn in learning who someone is quickly, right? Through something like that. Um, I just, I, I love that you brought that up. So going from that into like, I know that it's tied closely to the EIQ as opposed to IQ. So can you break, break that down a little bit? Um, again, I feel like it's something I hear often, but I don't know really how understood and, and in business in general, if you feel like what you guys are doing, this seems to me on a high corporate level to be, um, just really kind of groundbreaking and like it would have an incredible impact on your company as a whole. So I just, I, yeah, I'd love for you to speak to that EIQ, what it is, how it compares and, um, what, what do you feel like the big picture is? Cause I mean, I feel like you need to be selling this to lots of companies right now. You know, I, I love how you, how you frame that Katie, as it relates to the big picture, we use the assessments, the, the same company that we use for assessments for the disc they have a DISC and an EIQ, and they combine the two together. And what EIQ is, it's emotional intelligence quadrant. So picture, if you will, four squares. And the first four squares talk about self internally and self externally, or self-awareness and that social side. Who are you and how do you present yourself in the world? And then the other one talks about relationship, how you understand the relationships and how you into yourself and the relationships you have into the world. And because it's a quadrant and because the power of this emotional intelligence quotient, if you will, each four of the squares get a numerical rating from zero to 100. And again, it goes from 90 to 100. You're really good at that. 80 to 90, you're good, but could improve. 70 to 80, you've got some potential. And each one of those four quadrants are built up on five subsequent or five subsets, and they all score toward these numerical data points. It's all about understanding the assessment, reading it about who you are, and go, whoa, for me, this is Kurt talking here. I have a very low score when it comes to being empathetic toward other people. Now, I also have a very high D score in my DISC profile. So for me, everything is whack-a-mole. I got a problem, solve it. Got a problem, solve it. Employee comes into my office and they got tears in their eyes. Ooh, I'm going to have a hard time trying to shift or to be empathetic because I have a goal. I have a vision. I'm a sales leader. I'm driving a sales number. I don't care if your arm is broken, duct tape it and get back in the game. We're down 10 points. So the emotional intelligence quotient revealed to me Areas where when I present myself relationally to the world, I'm not very kind. I have to learn to adapt, to be kind, to be empathetic, not sympathetic, to be socially aware that people out there have emotions and feelings. And they're not all built like me with zero emotion, zero feeling, just grind it, grind it, grind it. And the earlier you are on your leadership journey to understand and to grab these tools to get better at who you are, the better the leader you'll become. 
if I had this when I was in my 30s, I mean, yeah, I was known as the closer, but I closed at any cost and the end justified the means. And now I'm a whole lot older and I really have to just self-check every time I get into a situation, self-check, read the room. People here are a little bit more steady and maybe analytical and they need a lot of facts and they need to marinate in the idea a while versus me where it's like, ready, get, go. And so, boy, it's, we teach this in the class that says, this is how you lead. You can't lead from the same position of strength you think everybody has. Not, not everybody grew up at the address you grew up at. And you bring to this equation nature plus nurture. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of stuff out there and you're still dealing with humans. And so we have to understand that. Now, that was a lot of talking. I'm sorry. No, it was so good. So good. I just want you to keep talking. Um, it's so true. Do you feel like I know that when I went through disk assessment, um, as, as you were talking about the quadrant, I was like all popping back into my head, you know, and I'm like, oh, I need to go back through all of that. Um, and hopefully we can even get some graphics up uh, for people to see because it is really it, it's it's great stuff. I know that I learned things about myself that I didn't necessarily want to believe. Did you feel the same way when you learned that you had no empathy? <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, but I think I've grown over time. I'm more willing today to say, you know what? I probably have some flaws that I can get better at. Granted, I'm a whole lot older. Maybe in my 30s, in my 40s, I was a little more obstinate thinking, yeah, but you know what? I get the results people want. You know, I just got done binging a TV show called Suits. And it's a very popular TV show with uh, the main character is Harvey Specter. But over eight seasons, I don't even know if the producers wanted it this way. But the guy that was just this mean, caustic character in the first four seasons, something happened in season five, and then he became softer, seven, eight, and nine. And it's just the evolution of the personality. He still gets the results but he becomes that softer side. And so, yeah, um, I think we all have the ability to be self-aware. What we do with it, though, are we defensive? Do we play the victim? Do we play the villain? Or, or do we say, you know, Katie, you're right. I could probably work on that. I'm going to get back to you on that. I'm going to get better at that. And, and, you know, we're talking about leadership, but, you know, we've known each other on one other podcast and, and we could talk about, personal relationships and marriages and, 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 and the whole extended family relationship, this applies just as importantly there than it does in the business world. Yeah, I could not agree more. And as far as, you know, trust and building trust as a leader, how does it play into that? Because we know that that is, that's so important because there's management and then there's leadership. And assuming that those taking this want to be strong leaders. Um, and, I, you know, my personal opinion and why I love the leadership topic so much is because I feel like there are a lot of areas in this world, from business to politics to everything else, where management and leadership are getting a little bit <laughs> mixed up. And so um, I know that we've kind of you touched on it and you explained it, but as far as building trust and belief as a leader, um, 
how do you feel like it really impacts that? And how does that really drive the growth of a business? So let me steal from two people. I'm standing on their shoulders. They're they're the giants in the industry. One is a is someone I had the privilege to work with. His name is Charlie Green. He wrote the book, The Trusted Advisor. Charlie has an equation. He calls it the trust equation. He came up with this and I'm stealing it with his permission. It's, it's one of my favorite things that trust is an equation. So the trust equals C plus R plus I, and those are all over the denominator S. And let me break that down. The C is credibility meaning that people can equate and, and gain your trust if they have a level of credibility, whether it's I've been in the industry 16 years, 60 years, I'm 18 years old, whatever that would be, your, the, the, the initials behind your last name, whatever it would be, it's that credibility. The R is for reliability. So I can be a PhD at the University of Houston, credibility. But if I never show up on time to class, if I never get papers traded, graded in, if my reliability is weak, it's going to erode trust. In a sales environment or a new employee environment, I may have no credibility because I'm brand new, but I'll prove to you with my reliability that I'm going to say, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do because I said I'm going to do it. So I have a higher reliability score. So credibility plus reliability plus intimacy. Now, for those of you listening, thinking, uh-oh, he's going to start talking about the F word. I'm not talking about feelings here. I'm talking about the ability to say, Katie, that's a great question. And I don't know the answer, but I'll get that for you. It's the intimacy to allow you to open yourself up in a trust environment to say, let me be a little transparent here. So it's credibility plus reliability plus intimacy. If you parenthesis that, all over self-awareness or this S, this selfness. If the S is big, it then accentuates the equation. If it's all about me, if it's all about Kurt Tufert, then the trust factor goes down because I won't trust you because it's all about you. But if it's all about you, Katie, and your listeners, and all I want to do is pay it forward, and my S is really, really small, then my credibility my reliability, my intimacy overshadows that my trust goes up. So Charlie and I were going back and forth and I was taking one of his assessments and it comes out with one of six or seven different labels, depending upon a trust scale. I can't trust you to the left and I can certainly trust you to the right. The label that came back to me was professor. And boy, I called Charlie on the phone. I said, I do not like this. And he laughed and he says, well, I'm staring at your assessment right now. I know you don't like it. He goes, Kurt, you're reliable. Everybody, you know, you're just so reliable. And you are so, you know, you know, you, you're so credible. And you, everything is about other people. The problem with you, Kurt, is you have no intimacy. So people won't share with you. They won't give you their confidentiality. If you're on a sales call, they'll give you just the highlights, but they won't tell you what's really going on because you come across as maybe academic or with a wall in front of you. So I went through the deep dive that you just asked, what do people do with this information? And I went on a quest to get better, to be more intimate. And I called him back about two months later and I said, you won't believe this. 
I had a conversation with a guy over coffee. He shared with me things his wife didn't even know about him. And he laughed. He says, well, you're a good student, Kurt. So, you know, you can retake the assessment. But that's that's one. The second author, and again, this goes to your trust. And we just covered this last week in our DXP Leadership Academy, module number three, Trust. Patrick Lencioni wrote a phenomenal book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it's a business fable. So it starts as a story. And there's a new CEO and she comes to work at a software company and nobody wants to talk to this person and everything is disruptive. And she doesn't do anything for the first 60 to 90 days, but listen and observe and listen and observe and ask questions. And she takes her team to a retreat and everybody's rolling their eyes. Ah, true retreat. And she outlined five dysfunctions. She goes, look, if our team of the base foundation has a lack or an absence of trust, then that'll erode the base of the pyramid. The second level is if there's no trust, then there's a lack of conflict. Meaning you have an idea and I have an idea. I might not like your idea, but because I don't trust you, I'm not going to tell you that I don't like your idea. I'm going to go along to get along. The third level would be because there's no conflict, there's going to be no accountability, which means, or excuse me, it's going to be no commitment. And so because there's no trust and there's no conflict, the commitment, the dates, the goals, the, the, the due dates, the stuff that you're supposed to do doesn't get done. I'm not committed to it because I don't even like it. And I don't like it, but I can't tell you that I don't like it because I don't trust you. The fourth one up is you have this uh, accountability. There's no commitment, so there's no accountability. If there's no accountability, the last one is the results will suffer. And so flipping it around, if I build trust on my team, through the trust equation, through EIQ, through DISC assessments, you can come into my office and say, I want to challenge your idea. Not you, the person, but the idea. There's conflict and it's healthy, which leads to an understanding which says, Katie, thanks for the conflict. I'm committed to this project. I am committed to it, which means I can be held accountable. I'm going to give up a weekend because I need to come in and get this right. I'm committed. And so your accountability goes up and then your results will be stellar and meteoric. And so all of us in leadership are looking for teams of trust, which can have conflict, which can have commitment, which can have accountability, which becomes with incredible attention to detail. Uh, Such good stuff. I'm like, sign me up. I get a little wound up. I mean, it's really good stuff. (laughs) I want to be in on these. Um, No, it's, it's, Amazing. And it's exactly it. And so how long have you guys been running these within your company? This is this is the third year. And um, because I kind of took it over because of my controlling personality, we blew it up from 12 to 66 people. Now, there's a fee, right? It's, it's a soft dollar cost, which means we, we, we have to debit and credit their budget centers. But there's a fee to it because we want the managers to understand if you were to get this type of leadership out at Kellogg or at Texas A&M or any of these leadership academies, it would set you back anywhere from $2,500 to $4,500. And uh, we, we've got internal coaches, internal mentors. We've got some guest speakers coming up on this. And uh, I, think, I think if you lean in and you get out what you put in, you'll get a lot out of these classes. And I'm really excited that, that we've created that from the ground up. And, and, and anyone else who's even listening on this call, who's scratching their head thinking, 
how do I get into leadership? Well, you could get Patrick Lencioni's book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You could Google leadership in TED Talks. You could listen to Katie's podcast. There's so many places. The world is so technology laden today that there's no excuse for better communication, better listening, better trust, better management, better leadership, better selling, better marriages, better question asking. It's all at our fingertips. All we have to do is go out there and, you know, razzle dazzle the keyboard just a little bit. Exactly. And then do the work, right? And then do the work and get together with other people that want to hold you accountable. I mean, trying to do the work in a vacuum is difficult. If you've got other people inside your organization or outside the organization that says, hey, call me every two weeks and just hold me accountable that I made it to the next chapter in this book. That's powerful. It really is. It really is. Surrounding yourself with those people, having the accountability. I cannot, I mean, I've been taking notes. So I don't know how good the video roll footage is going to be here because I've been taking notes this whole time. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it. it's, I think it's fascinating to me and really exciting to hear that companies such as yours are investing. And again, I hear you, like you want your team to invest themselves because it just, that buy-in creates that accountability as well, right? Um, but to even be putting something together like this within a company um, that's really just going to grow better humans. Yeah, I, I, and I think what a great place to start, right? We only get one chance around this whole thing. So let's do the best we can. One million percent. Okay, so you have, uh, you know, I'm going to send people to you. You've got your um, five stones for giants, for slaying giants. I was reading through that again last night. Um, I love it. It's, it's free, isn't it? It's probably free somewhere on, on Amazon or Kindle or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I downloaded it for free and it's just, it's so great. It's such an easy read and it, but it is so applicable and so wonderful. I, you know, I was like, I think I might have my 11 year old read this. Um, and then the 201, can you tell me a little bit about your 201 book? Okay. So, <laughs> oh, the long story short, I wanted, if you guys, if you can remember way back, you used to have these calendars and, and they were on a gummy sticky back and they were little, you know, maybe a four inch by four inch, you'd peel them off every day. And so I thought, how about 365 sales motivators? I couldn't get to 365, I could get to 201. And so what it is or what it was, what it was, was it was, it was a small bound. It started to be bound and coil bounding. So you could have a little sales quote and then a little bit of an editorial. And each day you could flip through one. And if you're having a bad day, you could randomly pick one out. And oh my gosh, that was 22, 23 years ago. And I had people pin these to the walls, take them out of the three and just show me pictures of, Hey, look, I mean, I got this one motivation here. It's, it's awesome. And, and so that was my idea was for people to have something on their desk that they could flip through as a sales motivator. And I think if it wasn't for my um, naivete almost 25 years ago, that thought no one's going to buy this. So if I got it coil bound, it's going to be really expensive. Well, it's it, it's really nothing when you're looking at that at, at when I had my career as a professional speaker, that could be my leave behind gift or that could be 
something that you could bundle into the speaking fee. And then I joined up with a, a gentleman and we became partners in a speaking uh, company. And I wrote the book, Five Stones for Slaying Giants to, to actually make it into a book, a self-published book that people could leave behind. You could read it on a flight from, I think you're in Northern or Southern California. You could literally read, okay, Northern California. You could probably read Five Stones for Slaying Giants between a flight from San Francisco to Seattle. It's easy. It's applicable. And, and you got me thinking about those 2,201 sales motivators. I, I may go back and see if I can't recreate that. But oh my gosh, it was, it was all done on PowerPoint with four, four images per PowerPoint and then taking it to a printer who could professionally cut them. It, it was a laborious task, but it was, it was so fun. Well, it just speaks to your character and your <laughs> drive. And I, I love that. I would love to know. So if people are interested in, you know, learning more about themselves, taking these disc assessments, finding out their EIQ, um, where where's a good place that you would suggest that they start? You can send them to my other website, uh, peaksalesstrategy.com. It's all one word peaksalesstrategy.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn, connect with me through email, and then you can purchase those assessments from me. And as a coaching service, I can sell you the assessment and do the uh, coaching via a Zoom call. And we could go through the debriefing and then the application. So a lot of people can hire me as a sales coach or a leadership coach as well using these assessments. Well, they would be stupid if they didn't. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> that's a great that's a great pull quote. I might have to use that myself. Oh my gosh. Kurt, thank you so much. Thank you for being on. Um, I have no doubt that I'm gonna be like hunting you down and begging you to come back because I feel like we've just really scratched the tip of the iceberg. But I um I love this and I just have so much respect for you and your company. And it gives me just I don't know, it gives me a lot of excitement and hope to hear that big companies with lots of influence are focused on building the people and the leaders like this. And I appreciate how you broke it down for us today. I cannot thank you enough. You bet. My pleasure, Katie. Thank you for listening to the If You Lead Them podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review and comment on whatever audio podcast platform you're using. This has been a production of Leon Media Network. For more from our show, visit us at leonmedianetwork.com.